one that of course is the most dangerous uh, is that we create something so powerful that it becomes sentient, decides that the universe will be better off without humans <laughs> and we're all dead. There are several things which really concern me. One is the truthfulness of the content. This is why I think it is important to have auditing when such an application has been launched. Personally, I think the most urgent task will be you know, first has to satisfy or regularize where the AI model should be used. Because like for different areas or different applications, there should be different criteria of how you will use the AI models, right? The Chat Lounge. Chat Lounge. Chat Lounge. The Chat Lounge unpacks views and opinions on hot issues in a more casual way. Welcome to the Chat Lounge. I'm Tuyun, joining our discussion on whether chatbots represent opportunities or threats to human beings are Andy Mock, Senior Research Fellow at the Center for China and Globalization, Cheng Minghao, Assistant Professor, Department of Computer Science and Engineering, Hong Kong University of Science and Technology, and Yu Yang, Assistant Professor, Institute for Interdisciplinary Information Sciences, Tsinghua University. A warm welcome to you all, gentlemen. So, ChatGPT has become an internet sensation since its uh, debut late last year. Minhao, it's your first time on the show. I understand your research focus is um, machine learning. So, before ChatGPT, there were already some machine learning applications under development. Can you tell us why ChatGPT became a global sensation? Yeah, so actually the, the ChatGPT belongs to the, the family of the GPT. Mm. So the GPT stands for uh, Generative Pre-Chain Transformer. And actually they are based on the development of language, language model, which has been started by quite a few years before. Mm. And the ChatGPT family actually show very good potential in academia, where a lot of uh, setup arts method are just based on applying GPT into different specific domains and applications. And it has already been used as a standard way to achieve the state of art performance or variance NLP tags. However, as you mentioned, uh, now the ChatGPT becomes much more popular globally in different areas beyond of the academia. So I believe there are several reasons behind that. So first, the previous GPT model still need a certain adaptation to be deployed into the real applications. Uh, you have to do some like fine tuning in order to have a very good performance on a specific task. So for example, the, the previous GPT-3, that is very good in writing articles and the fictions, but they are not actually good in different areas. So however, but you can see the ChatGPT now, they can handle all kinds of tasks and questions so mm. that it will make people huge interest to try and play. Right. And also the chatbot, like the ChatGPT is actually a very good way to encourage people to play and try. And the, the people will feel very naturally tested because it's kind of like you are talking to a real personal assistant. So this is actually how the Aaron Tooling tested whether a machine has the ability to exhibit intelligent behavior or distinguish from the human. Then what was your first response to this uh, generative chatbot, ChatGPT, after it was revealed? 
Yes, when I first tried, so because I have already worked in the previous GPT, um, I know it is quite powerful on speaking very fluently or naturally like a, a human beings. Mm. But I, I feel kind of surprised that it could generate a generalized into so many different areas. And uh, they also know a very tiny difference in the sentence representations. And also one big part I'm, I'm kind of shocked is they actually can handle even some structured task input, such as like programming codes or tabular data, which is totally beyond of the natural language we have be, uh, defined before. And same question to Yuyan as well. What's your first response to this uh, chatbot? Were you thrilled while feeling a tinge of unease that your job might soon be, you know, replaced by by the AI tool? Okay, before I uh, respond to the question about how I use the GPT, I want to give a response to your previous question. Okay. What makes uh, ChatGPT, you know, different from our previous AI models, sure. you know, language models or CV models or other things? Uh, because my research is about uh, understanding uh, the relation between the uh, algorithmic uh, tools with economics and other uh, part of uh, human societies. So I would like to say that ChatGPT show us a new model of infrastructure. We know that before ChatGPT, most AI applications in business are just one model for one task. For example, as uh, Professor Chen mentioned, if you want to hire a GPT to summarize abstract of, uh, articles, you need one model. Mm. If you want to uh, hire AI to write an article, you, you should uh, have another uh, model. However, ChatGPT is application of AGI, Artificial General in Intelligence, which means one model can be used for multiple tasks. So in this way, we can see that um, many businesses or many industries can benefit from the one model. And at the same time, one company can only hire one model for multiple tasks. So this, is, this shows that uh, once we have, no matter which country or which economy have such a AGI model, that means it benefit many companies through many ways in many industries. So this is an uh, infrastructure which we can call it AI-based digital infrastructure. Right. So uh, this is also the reason why just in two months, the registration number for uh, ChatGPT, you know, uh, reached 100 million. That means the AI start to reshuffle the economic structure and uh, ask us to reorganize our working pattern you know, when we have such uh, AI-based digital infrastructure. And I want to emphasize one point that is, ChatGPT is just one type of such digital infrastructure. In the future, we will have other such AGI digital infrastructure, which can benefit many industries, benefit many companies at the same time. So this is the difference between the AGI models application from the AI application before ChatGPT. Right. Then uh, 
After using it, what what's the best feature you found about it?、Uh, to tell you the truth, I think this is a good way for education. For example, it's a good way,、uh, you know, non-native、uh, speaking English students to learn English,、uh, no matter speaking or writing or anything else. It is very a good way to let a student understand how to write、uh, an article in a correct way. Yeah,、okay. for yourself personally, what do you use it for, like most frequently? Oh, I research it.、Uh, you know, I I I research it, but、uh, of course I use it、uh, for some like for、uh, check the articles, check the grammatic issues, instead of、uh, other apps, and also. I use them to、uh, for fun, but the, the most important thing is I observe how it has been application in other businesses.、Mm. My research is to observe how it been applied,、right. uh, rather than I just just to understand how to use it. Okay, did you like、uh, use multitasking function as you just mentioned? Ah,、uh, sure, sure, of course. It can be used for summarize the abstract of article, although sometimes it's not、uh, correct. Okay, and also can be used to check the grammatic issue、uh, during my writing. Okay,、uh, since I'm not an, a native English speaking、uh, person, and also、uh, I can use them to, you know, prepare some slides or Excel document.、Mm-hmm. You know, there's such applications already in、uh, Microsoft. Apps. Right, right. So to our only native speaker here, Andy, have you tried it? And what's the best part about it?、Um, well, I have tried and used、uh, the different versions of ChatGPT.、Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, you know, maybe I thought I could also chime in on、uh, some of the earlier points raised.、Um, I think that what makes ChatGPT so interesting is actually. Two things. I think one that was already touched upon in that AI is not new. In that we have a lot of applications that most people in the field would call ANI or artificial narrow intelligence, and most consumers, including me, interact with them every day, but perhaps without realizing it. So whether that's a Netflix, you know, recommending the next video you should watch, indeed, or on Taobao or You know, recommending what you should order to eat—that、um, those are actually、uh, artificial intelligence kind of applications.、Mm. But what makes ChatGPT so successful, I think, is again, this was touched on. I'll just elaborate a little bit: is that、uh, it can be used for many things, from writing songs to writing code, you know, to doing research、mm. uh, in one application. So I might not. Call it AGI, and and I know some people might consider it artificial general intelligence,、yeah. um, where some people think of this as the ability to learn on your own. And I think that、um, ChatGPT does have some ability to learn on its own. The other thing that makes it very very different is the is the user interface. So the, the interesting question is when we look at Siri, Alexa, these other voice based assistants, they also、uh, I think are considered AI. And yet, they haven't had the degree of success that ChatGPT has.、Mm. The last thing I'd say about this before I answer your question is that it's generative. 
whereas many of these other AI applications make recommendations, uh, make predictions, whereas ChatGPT, as well as some of the image ones like Stable Diffusion, Dolly, E, uh, can create images as well. So the ability to create content is pretty And I think uh, I'm less sure about how actually transformational it is. Um, and I'll talk about how I use it. So I use it to generate content, yeah. um, text. So this could be ideas, uh, say, you know, give me five ideas on this topic that, you know, I could write about, mm-hmm. right? Or I want to write about this. Give me three key points. And this is a time saver. So I see this as a very able assistant. So I'm a researcher as well, but I'm not a scientific researcher. I research things like politics, geopolitics, economics. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it is finding information and packaging it. And a lot of it is text-based. So I find ChatGPT very, very helpful. Um, I also see the potential of it to revolutionize society. Um, but are we there yet? Uh, it seems to me, at least, uh, that we're, it's unclear. It's unclear, but certainly very tantalizing, very exciting, and I think there's a lot of potential. True. But have you found anything um, inconvenient about it or any weakness about the tool? Well, clearly, the big one is what they call hallucinations. So, for example, if you say, suggest five books I should read on the Middle East. Mm. Um, it might give you three that actually don't exist because of the way the, the model works, is that it's based on predicting the next word. So um, it's not necessarily optimizing for accuracy. That being said, um, ChatGPT actually has kind of, we can think of it as two applications. There's a consumer-facing one that we all can use, But there's also a B2B one that Microsoft, for example, its Bing search engine uses yeah. uh, that can power search. And if you use ChatGPT through Bing, uh, you get much more accurate results. So let me maybe backtrack a little bit and then say that um, I'm still not sure how big an impact it will have. But right. certainly the B2B applications are much more likely to have a profound impact on society than the consumer-facing ones that's getting most of the attention. And I may be completely wrong here, and I will defer to the two real experts, but that's just my my layman's opinion. Right. Uh, back to the two who you would call uh, real experts here. Have you found any flaws about this um, tool? Maybe, uh, Yuyan, you go first. So, so actually, I, I, I'd like to say that I rarely to think about how it convenient or inconvenient from my personal perspective because mm-hmm. you know, my research always let me think about what aspects of this application influence the society. So from my perspective, the thing is there are several things which really concern me. Right. One is the truthfulness of the content the 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 chat gpt generate yes it's like uh, andy just said uh, when it gave him like five titles three of them don't actually exist yeah so uh, so i like to give you a number i uh, when chat gpt just uh, you know uh, start to attract public attentions in the beginning of this year i implement a, a very simple online survey um, to ask people um, 
if the comments or the answers for some of your question from the human expert from Google or from uh, you know the people you know around and from ChatGPT, if these four sources uh, are conflict with each other, their answer are conflict with each other. Uh, which one uh, you know you prefer to trust? We can see that uh, ChatGPT can have one quarter or even thirty percent people to you know prefer to trust ChatGPT. But actually, we know when ChatGPT used as a search engine, usually it has a high probability that uh, re returned by ChatGPT is not true. It, mm. it is generated by it rather than a search by it. How often does it happen? I think this is a very good question. There's no statistic at this moment. This is why I think it is important to have a, a, a auditing uh, when such uh, application has been launched. Okay, so I always said we should have an auditing before uh, AI application uh, are launched so that we can know the basic performance and the basic uh, parameters of the products. Like other products such as cars or bakers or anything else, we know, okay, uh, how often uh, the arrows will happen. Mm. Right, truthfulness is one uh, concern that you have. Any other mm -hmm. concerns? Uh, some other concerns is uh, like uh, ChatGPT um, is uh, uh, is also uh, uh, an AI model which can lead to have incorrect value. For example, uh, you know th these kind of AI models can have discrimination uh, against uh, minorities, mm -hmm. no matter. Uh, gender discrimination or racial discrimination. A very recent paper, uh, just published, uh, just published in archive, said, okay, um, if the prompt lead the AI, the ChatGPT to have the characteristics of some particular person, then the ChatGPT's answer will have very negative emotion or even uh, have discrimination against gender or race. So these kind of things also concerns the public or concerns the regulators or concerns us. Mm, so this right. is another thing which I think is very important because a lot of discussions uh, are about how to use ChatGPT to improve the education, especially the education for children. If we cannot solve those questions, uh, that will be a trouble. Right. We'll dive deeper into those aspects uh, later on in the show. But meanwhile, what's your answer to uh, the previous question, the weakness or any concerns you have? Yeah, similar with Professor Yang and uh, Andy. So actually, I also see some news that I have actually read some answers from ChatGP about the Huawei CFO Meng Wanzhou. And uh, actually, the, the news is it provided that all the resources linked in the news are all fake, although they look very legit and real. So those links you couldn't access to the website, so the website is actually a fake website, although it looks like the New York Times, but the pages couldn't be accessed. Uh, so this is one big problem, like mentioned by uh, previous uh, two speakers. 
And another one I want to raise is uh, actually ChatGPT is not that good in some mathematical and logic questions. Um, so it, it usually you know, make a very simple calculation wrong. And you could also see there are a lot of news already saying ChatGPT will have a very bad, bad performance in some standard test in like GE in India or in some uh, computer science test something as well. So I think that is also one big question now or drawbacks about ChatGPT now. You're listening to The Chat Lounge. We'll be back after the break. Deep Dive, We're talking about whether chatbot is more an opportunity or a threat. And、um, plagiarism is another concern, especially for some、uh, schools. We've seen、uh, University of Hong Kong, among the first to ban the tool, then decided to allow its lecturers and staff to use it. But students,、um, as we speak, are still barred from using the tool. The, Minhao, your school, the Hong Kong University of Science and Technology, actually encourages students to use it. But you've listed a few negative aspects of this tool. Then why does your school encourage students to use it? What has led to the different attitudes between universities? Yeah. So. Yes, actually, I believe that、um, th this kind of concerns actually may caused by the different content taught by、uh, instructors. So in the HKUSD,、uh, like、most of classes they are more engineering and science based. So the the current form of JDB, like I said, is not actually very good at those parts, like in the math or logics. So the answers generated might not good enough for us to to grade or、so、to for Uh, as in a way, also、uh, the writing part on science and engineering students actually is not as good as in the literal、uh, part. So which is which means that the usage of ChatGPT actually could act a very good tool to for the student to correct their grammar error or polish their writing in general. So、mm, actually, I have I can provide you some data that、uh, in the UST there is a recently survey about. Your opinion,、uh, in the instructor about your opinion,、uh, whether you should use the ChatGPT for um student to answer your questions, and there are over fifty percent of the instructor they they would like no any restriction on the use of ChatGPT. So I, I believe it's more about the、uh, contents taught by different instructors in general.、Mm. And to Andy,、um, actually. All you three have named、um, some concerns or maybe shortcomings of this、um, AI tool. Of those concerns and other concerns, which、uh, include uh, like um, privacy, um, misinformation, or, or disinformation, or a lack of、uh, age restrictions, which one sounds most problematic to you, Andy? Well, I think there are, we can put these concerns into different categories.、Sure. And let me start with the easiest to solve: the flaws and the limitations to 
generative AI, mm. you know, whether that's hallucinations or, you know, making up fake information or either inadvertent or intentional bias. So, you know, one example of intentional bias is, for example, if you ask something about Donald Trump, you'll probably get something negative or you say, you know, tell me the good things about, you know, Nazis, right? You know, say, I'm sorry, I can't do that. Mm. And if you believe that in academia that we need, you know, freedom of inquiry, this is not such a good thing, right? But of course, it's very difficult to solve these ethical problems. But these are sort of very easy problems to solve, and every version of ChatGPT gets better. So version 3 didn't write well. Uh, it had lots of mistakes, hallucinations. Mm-hmm. 3.5 is better. 4 is even better. So I think these are short-term, acute, solvable problems. Now the next category of problems are a little bit more subtle and perhaps harder to solve, but I think I'm positive on these in that you know, we use, we allow students to use ChatGPT. That's a bad thing. Now, if we go look through history, um, starting with writing. So once writing was discovered, people worried, parents and teachers said, well, the students will lose their ability to memorize things because they can write them down. Mm. When we had adding machines, people worried that, well, people will forget how to do math. Right. And so I think these problems actually are not as big a problem as most people fear they are. Now, here comes the real problem, that we're actually able to truly create artificial general intelligence, meaning AI that can learn anything on its own, that this could be a threat to mankind. And this is why, you know, we have very knowledgeable people saying that we need to pause the development of AI because uh, it may be an an extinction-level event for mankind. So I would say these three categories, the one that, of course, is the most dangerous, uh, is that we create something so powerful that it becomes sentient, decides that the universe will be better off without humans, (laughs) and then we're all dead. Right. Before we come to that ultimate um, concern, if you will, let me ask uh, the other two professors who are right now teaching at universities. Do you have any concern that um, schools at your school, uh, excuse me, students at your school will rely too heavily on chatbots like ChatGPT and miss out on the opportunity to, to learn the materials themselves and develop sort of um, critical thinking skills, um, Yang? No, absolutely not. I'm not worried about that part, actually, uh, because, uh, as I mentioned, uh, ChatGPT and in the future, there's other, this kind of AI tools mm. will become the tools or the partners of uh, human beings to work and study. So I think everybody must learn how to work with AI. So uh, I think uh, when when we say, okay, students heavily rely on AI, such as a, a chat box of uh, chat GBT, um, that means they start to learn and adapt how to work with AI so that they can have a high efficient way to learn the knowledge and uh, accomplish the work. Mm. Uh, I'm optimistic from that perspective. I, I, I think that's fine. Right. What about Minghao? 
yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not worried about uh, the usage of ChatGPT about the school, uh, students. So there are some one very interesting things I've observed recently. Actually, the ChatGPT has already created another kind of a job in the job market. For mm. example, there's a job, new job called a plumbing engineer. So that is actually the the way how you talk to GPT actually matters with its output. So there is a chance that uh, we can actually build a, a brand new courses about this to talk to people how we can better use AI to satisfy your needs or finish your job. So Minhao sees more opportunities here, but to the ultimate risk, um, like um, Andy just mentioned, actually um, the potential threat of technology to its creator, human beings, has long been a hot topic for debate. And uh, we know nearly a decade ago, Stephen Hawking, um, the renowned British theoretical physicist, warned that AI could end humanity. And like um, Andy just mentioned, a lot of um, the renowned um, people working in this sector, such as Elon Musk, has warned AI is more dangerous than mismanaged aircraft design or production um, maintenance or bad car production because it has the potential of civilizational destruction. And of course, we've already seen this um, chaos GPT and uh, autonomous implementation of chat GPT being tasked with uh, finding a way to destroy humankind. And once started, it'll never stop until it reaches the goal. So how threatening does that sound to you, Minhao, please? Yeah, so personally, I, I, I kind of, I didn't worry these things about at all. So although we have a, a lot of methods that in the machine learning, we can actually strengthen the AI models by using self-play, for example, in the reinforcement learning, in machine learning. But however, I think the current AI is still about how we can search a, a good function to feed the current data we have or given some objective. So that means it has only has a limited ability to think or act logically as a human. As it couldn't think out of the box, the chances of AI being outcome-chilled to me is still very low. Mm. And uh, however, but uh, there's another aspect I would say is, as we can see, AI development is becoming faster and faster. So it's, it's actually very hard to say that after 10 years later, whether we would say this is a, a threat or not. Because like for 10 years ago, the neural networks is just getting started. But right. now actually we have such a powerful models like ChatGPT. And what about Yan? No, I'm not worried about that things. Uh, also, uh, as uh, uh, Professor Chen mentioned, the current AI technology is still, uh, still quite limited uh, and the distance from uh, human intelligence. And uh, uh, at the same time, I must say, uh, there's some, you know, as a, you know, for the AI governance topics, there's much, much more a lot of other important and instant uh, topics, you know, deserve people's attentions rather than whether the AI can replace human or, or and the human beings. That is, uh, you know, too far from at this moment. Uh, uh, in, you know, in contrast, there are some other topics are uh, instant and uh, uh, will really bring economic uh, inefficiency or 
uh, unfair in the society. Mm, but, uh, there is this um, real life um, happening. A Belgian man committed suicide after, you know, conversing with an artificial intelligence chatbot uh, about climate change. So, Andy, do you have any concern about this at all? Well, let me add, though, that um, I agree that the, artist, the state of artificial intelligence applications today certainly aren't a threat. Yeah. But we have to also pay attention to this uh, Moore's Law phenomenon of exponential growth, right? When we look at computing power, that it doubles, what, roughly every 18 months. And this is why the first computer was about the size of a, uh, you know, a large room and could only do basic arithmetic. And now we have, you know, billions of times more processing power in our pockets and our smartphones. Mm. That these things, uh, as AI also, uh, some people, like there's a very famous, uh, I guess we can call him a futurist, uh, Ray Kurzweil, talks about the singularity and that we're at a point where we not only will have artificial general intelligence, but artificial super intelligence, yeah. meaning not just computers that are as smart as humans, but smart as gods, and that this can happen much more quickly than we expect because of exponential growth. Yeah. So, you know, that may be a very big problem, but it seems there's little we can do about it. So, um, so anyway, but to your point then, you know, I think that any widely adopted product will always have bad things that happen, right? Indeed. And look at, you know, for example, um, the rise of the automobile, the internal combustion engine automobile. Mm. So in the early days, engines would blow up. Um, cars would lose control as people were driving, uh, racing <laughs> down the road, plow into crowds of people, killing and maiming dozens. Mm. Um, and this, in a way, is a price is the price for advancing technology. And one of the interesting questions that I have, because, you know, I focus more on the policy and the politics of this, Yes, is that are we able to have these rapid advances? Because back in the day of the automobile, there wasn't social media. So if someone was killed driving a car, you know, the whole world didn't know about it 10 minutes later. And that lack of information dissemination actually was a positive thing because it allowed the technology to mature and be perfected and used safely. Whereas, you know, we're talking about a man in Belgium, right? Mm. So that this might actually be a negative for advancing AI technology. Yeah. And this is where um, authorities can play their role. Maybe that's why uh, we've seen the EU, the U.S. and China drafting rules to regulate um, generative uh, chatbots. So, um, Andy, what's your evaluation of their pace? You're saying that you focus more on policies. Well, so this is very ironic, right? So uh, OpenAI, which is the company that developed and launched ChatGPT, um, has a CEO whose name is Sam Altman, and he's a very successful investor entrepreneur. Mm. And he said multiple times, and I find this incredibly ironic, that he wishes, and not just him, but other people, including Sundar Pichai, who is the CEO of Google, mm. says that uh, they're really worried that these 
very important, again, potentially civilization-ending decisions, technology decisions, are being made by a handful of business people. And that he wishes that, in fact, government could play a more central role. And I would love, if I ever have the chance, to either talk to him or uh, interview him about this, because he decries the limitations and the weaknesses of the U.S. government in that it is unable to effectively regulate this. And I would love to ask him, have you considered China, Mm. right? Because China has shown, uh, look at the early days of the Internet, um, when the U.S. said information must be free, and Bill Clinton said about China trying to regulate the Internet, good luck with that. It's like nailing jello to the wall. And not only did China do it, it proved that history shows that that was the right decision, that the Internet did need to be regulated, and the U.S. followed this with mm-hmm. what they call content moderation, right, which right. if it were in China, they call censorship. So the Chinese government, you know, seems to be moving slowly. And, you know, people in China complain, hey, why doesn't China have a chat GPT? Well, I think that, you know, there's a lot going on, and we look at the CAC, latest draft regulations, that China, in fact, is approaching this in a very holistic way that balances this need for regulation to take the different varied interests of society, business, individuals, governments, etc., mm-hmm. into consideration. So, you know, to me, that's the interesting political uh question here. But don't you think they're coming too soon? I mean, it's just months after this chat GPT was revealed. Uh, is what coming too soon? Um, uh, the, the regulations, the uh, drafting rules. You mentioned China, China's regulations on the internet, but actually they came, um, you know, years after internet boom here in this country, right? Well, I think what we've noticed right over the decades of advances in technology, that when we look at POT, plain old telephone service, so when Alexander Graham Bell invented the telephone, it took uh, decades, if not almost a 100 years, for universal adoption, right? We look at mobile phones, it took, you know, something like 10, 15 years. Mm. So the technology adoption cycles are getting much and much shorter. And I think this also then means that governments have to react more quickly, too. So this, of course, is a challenge, right? So again, this is why I think the stakes are very high. Um, but certainly the Chinese government has the, I think, the structural ability to respond. And it certainly has the competence. You know, we look at um, the technocratic nature of of Chinese government officials, right? So, we, you know, in the U.S., you're basically, you become a senior government official basically based on a popularity contest. Mm. In China, it's much more based on, do you have a certain educational qualification? Have you had the appropriate management experience, right? So it's much more objective and scientific. Um, and of course, you know, I think the Chinese leadership has skewed very, very technocratic as well. So if there is hope for mankind to regulate AI, it's probably going to be from China. The Chat Lounge. The Chat Lounge unpacks views and opinions on hot issues in a more casual way. Mm. What about the other two tech pros? 
Minhao and uh, Yuyang. What's your take here? Uh, Yuyang first. Oh, uh, uh, first of all, I'm not a tech person. Uh, I'm a person focused on the policy study. All right. Okay. So, uh, uh, I, I agree with Andy, and uh, but I I want to say that um, my concern is not the exponential technology uh, innovation uh, threat the human civilization, right. but actually uh, just because the uh, technical revolution will fundamentally reshuffle the way people share interest and work with each other. If we cannot quickly and correctly build up the associated institution so that we can adapt to the technology uh, revolution, then there must be uh, conflicts between social uh, classes, different social classes, or be between different countries. And those kind of conflicts can threat the human uh, civilization's sustainability. Let me give you an example. For example, the uh, uh, ChatGPT and our other AIGC technology like the picture generation already raise the, the concern about the uh, intelligence property rights protection. And uh, many artists are worried about whether uh, their work are used by the AI, but they will not be paid. So this is, uh, this is just the start of the restructure of our economy driven by the AI's uh, technology innovation. Uh, mm -hmm. As Andy mentioned, uh, the internet as a technology actually has already reshuffled uh, you know, our society, no matter the social media or the uh, e-commerce or short video, they all redefine the labor market redefine how we organize our economy, even how we organize our uh, uh, political system. Uh, for example, uh, in the United States or in Europe, people are worried about the polarization uh, driven by the social media's uh, conflict. So at that time, China uh, started the regulation very early and tried to intervene this kind of we, we, we can say it is market failure plus uh, system failure of the new technology. And uh, of course, we accumulated a lot of experience during last decade. Uh, at this moment, I must say AI uh, governance, I think the most instant task is to figure out how to uh, develop the institution, which include the protocols of auditing the AIs the protocols of regulating the AI's development and the regulating the AI's applications. Also, you know, regulate how AI is used. So we should have such uh, uh, institutions. We also need institutions to define how to uh, allocate the economic profit generated by AI technology innovation to different group of um, uh, people. Uh, yes, AI's technology is developed by engineer or a, a, a computer science scientist, yes. But at the same time, uh, a lot of other group, uh, social group, contribute for the AI's development. For example, every people contribute to the AI's development by their data, especially the, you know, the artists, 
and the authors of the fictions and uh, like the Wikipedia, uh, you know, contributors, they really, you know, contribute a lot for the uh, faster growth of the AI technology. Mm. But how can we develop a, a way to allocate the profit or the benefit generated by AI technology innovation to all those people with a fair way and efficient way? I think this is a very, very important challenge. If we cannot solve that kind of challenge, we can say the income will you know, dramatically polarized very quickly. And, and then the social will become very unstable and the conflict will happen. That is a very important issue. You know, built up the uh, institution of uh, allocating the profit generated by AI. All right. Then to uh, Minhao, some people would say um, the most urgent task is um, aligning, I mean, AI with human values. What's your take here? Um... Yeah, so personally, I think the most urgent task will be um, you, you first has to satisfy or regularize where the AI model should be used. So because like for different areas or different applications, there should be different criteria of how you will use the AI models, right? For example, if you just uh, use it as a common chatbot, then it is not that sensible uh, to allow it to give any kind of accessible information. But if in, it is in some um, security or safety critical applications, then certain of the uh, criteria has to be, or certain of the regulation has to be made to in order to uh, regularize the model into certain functions. So I would say that it kind of depends on the uh, different applications. So even for the aligning the human performance, some of the areas should be easier for other areas. And Andy, what's your answer to that? Well, I think, you know, all of these are important, right? Yeah. So again, um, you know, some people compare artificial intelligence to the development of nuclear energy and say that, you know, if the nuclear physicists are worried about there being a disaster, shouldn't we be worried as well? So, you know, I think that makes sense to me. I completely agree that a large part of the economic and social impact of AI, uh, whether it's increasing inequality, shifting uh, power balances, whether that's among groups of individuals or between countries, uh, is inherently a political question. Yeah. So it'll be decided not necessarily on the technical merits, but you know who is able to uh, muster the political will, uh, the political savviness to shape the future of this technology. So you know I think it's exciting times, a little scary, uh, but also very exciting as well. Then mm. what's your prediction of its uh, future? Well, you know I tend to be uh, a techno-optimist, and I uh, believe that we've seen incredible changes in our lifetime uh, with technology, and this is only the beginning. So we'll see dramatic impact, even though I said I'm less sure how much of an impact generative AI will actually have. Uh, I do believe that AI is 
truly a GPT or a general purpose technology like steam power, like electricity, that will transform lives in the world uh, over time. But, you know, we're still unsure exactly how that's going to play out. But as an optimist, I believe that net on a net basis, it will be good for mankind and we'll figure out a way to make it all work. Mm. There's this prediction that uh, chatbot market revenue will more than triple by 2027. Andy, do you expect it to become the next like cash cow or just a flash in the pan? Well, so from a business and investment perspective, I think it's, it's a very interesting question, right? Because we've also seen a lot of reports that uh, ChatGPT or OpenAI invested something like $100 million mm. training this large language model. And we also have uh, reported instances of people like Stanford University spending $600 to recreate the model. Mm. So will OpenAI be able to capture the value of this is unclear, um, but there's certainly a lot of money flowing into uh, AI startups, uh, companies like Microsoft, like Google, like Menplus, and the Chinese tech companies as well, investing large amounts in this. So I think it will be a big force to be reckoned with, but who the winners are in terms of which companies and investors I think remain to be seen, and again, also which makes it a very exciting uh, time to be watching this. Mm, indeed. Um, Yuyan, can you expect who would be the winners? Okay. Uh, uh, first of all, I, I must just say the economy will be the winners because we have a new infrastructure which will boost to the economic efficiency. But it doesn't mean the developer of the AI or ChatGPT will be profitable mm. uh, because, you know, uh, as, as I mentioned, uh, ChatGPT is a kind of infrastructure. That means infrastructure is not always profitable, one perspective, okay? Uh, So uh, that means uh, we should design a very careful economic model to allocate the profit um, so that we can guarantee on the one side, the developer can gain sufficient uh, profit so that the incentive is enough to encourage them to uh, you know, uh, further develop the, uh, the 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 model. On the other side, we should uh, uh, work, we we should be careful that uh, the developer um, will utilize uh, their technology advantages to play as a monopoly mm-hmm. and enjoying the mon- monopoly rent, which will uh, you know limited the, the 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 technology's application benefiting the economy. So this is a very a hard balance between, uh, you know, encourage the technology innovation and at the same time guarantees the market efficiency by regulating the market power. So this is why I said before that, you know, design the economic model for allocating the profit is a very instant important challenge for AI, especially for ChatGPT or such uh, AGI models in the future. Mm. Last but not least, uh, Ming Hao, from tech perspective, what does the future look like uh, for for this market, a uh, chatbot market? Yeah, so um, I believe that AI, so including ChatGPT, is a very good tool to um, reduce the repetitive work of human labors in mm. general. So, uh, for example, uh, 
there are a lot of uh, obvious work like paperwork, organize, organizing the tables could be easily done by the chat, the, the current version of chat GPT. So uh, recently I saw that the, the Tesla from UCLA, they actually uses chat GPT to turn the files into some spreadsheet uh, by just using chat GPT. So I believe that it will become a common trend later for people how they process the data or how they do the paperwork in general and uh, as for the market um i also i think i agree with uh professor young and andy so it's it's currently in a very early stage and uh, uh some of the basic uh, ideas in the text could be totally changed for example if you personally if you want to start a startup you have to like manager or recruit 10 to 20 people to do, to finish their jobs. So mm -hmm. it does need you to put a lot of effort into the recruitment and the management. But however, uh, by just using chat GPTs, that you can uh, significantly reduce the number of the people to hire. So that it will uh, give you a, a very good chance that for the founder to put most of their folks on their ideas in just of management. I think that's that's the huge potential, uh, the the totally ideological mechanism of the creating some business will totally change. It's quite um exciting and rosy picture you you all have uh, presented out there. And uh, with that, we come to the end of our discussion. Thanks to Cheng Minghao, Assistant Professor, Department of Computer Science and Engineering, Hong Kong University of Science and Technology. Yuyan, Assistant Professor, Institute for Interdisciplinary Information Sciences, Tsinghua University, and Andy Mock, Senior Research Fellow at the Center for China and Globalization. If you have any comments on the topic or on the show, please feel free to message us. Just search Chat Lounge. You can find us on all major podcast platforms or send us an email to radio at cgtn.com. I'm Tuyun. Thank you for being with us. See you next time. Dunhuang, situated along the ancient Silk Road, where fine arts and divine beliefs merged with the natural world. It's where the East and West interacted and where the world's largest Buddhist art gallery still fascinates and amazes people today. A place where stories of life and death, love and hatred, passion and desire, faith and sacrifice have been generated and told for 2,000 years. Buckle up for our new podcast, Why We Love Dunhuang, the one and only podcast that can take you to the fantasy world of Dunhuang and beyond through our audio tour. Listen and subscribe for free on major podcast platforms. Why we love Dunhuang? You will have your answers.